thoughts, questions? Maybe combine like the theological and praxis kind of thing. I was just thinking about like Acts 2 when he's like saying this is what Joel saw. What happened with Acts 2 and the kind of the question with Pilmer was like in light of this age, this the two age thing, this age to cross, signs, wonders, miracles testifying to the ultimate, you know, witness they were is the power kind of stuff that we see in the book of Acts. Is that just the normalcy? across the board in light of the two age. Yeah, on here it says is that to be expected today still. And I think it is the norm. Yeah, I'm gonna add a piece to that. Something okay. you said uh car, maybe something you said the other day. Uh you were talking about India and other nations maybe go in, you break people and they're heal, 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 and you come back home and it's like so anyway, maybe addressing that even from an Eastern Western culture in in light of the book of yeah, and I don't mean to say this in a in a resignation type manner, but I think there's just a, a realism to if you're living in Nazareth at the time, there's a dynamic to being in that environment that has unbelief and you don't get to control the environment. It is what it is where you're at. And so post enlightenment West it is an environment of unbelief and a few miracles have done because I, you know, it messes with your mind when you're, there's nothing different right here and here over there than there is here. Mm -hmm. Yet you pray for people over there and they stand up and give testimony and you pray for people here and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't change. My faith didn't change. I have the exact same there was nothing in the environment that changed about me, but it was the environment that was different. And that doesn't mean that we don't pray for miracles and the testimony to be confirmed and signs and wonders to follow the gospel. It just means, I think we just have to sign up for, you know, to, to understand the cards that were handed being born and living in 21st century America. That's just is what it is and so but I, I think we can you know you inherit a lot in New Mexico and you may want to farm citrus trees but you, you are in New Mexico but you can do with what you have and grow cactuses and do whatever like we can deal with the situation that we have that encourages those who can grow citrus trees to grow citrus trees. You, you know what I mean? Like, we can mm -hmm. preach in such a way and give witness in such a way that when it gets exported outside of our context, people can take it and run with it without hindrance. And so, like, I had this guy in India, and we just went in, like, we were going around, and we came into Varanasi, and we did one day of teaching, and this guy had a, a network of 2,000 churches Right, and he designed a day of teaching for 30 of what he called were his master leaders, in which all these guys had at least 50 churches under their stewardship. And the guy who organized, he came to stay with me last year, and he's actually coming next week. And he pulled out a few of his of his diagrams, and they have it all charted out. Like it's this 
I mean, they, they put together big pieces of paper, and it's like, you know, this tall from the floor and this wide, and it's just bubbles and, and lines and bubbles and lines, and, and it represents from them to their disciples that are pastoring churches, and then the churches that they're discipling, and they work it out, and they don't ever go past the first line, the first level. But they know what's going on here so that they can counsel these guys, so that these guys can counsel these guys. And they put next to each little bubble, like four little, they have four little pictures that they put, like a money picture, are they taking tie the water picture, are they baptizing people, uh, uh, something for a, a pastoral, do they have consistent pastoral leadership and, and something else, I remember. There's four and they have them next to all these little bubbles representing house churches. And each one of his guys, he has 80 guys that he keeps up with. And each one of those 80 guys has one of these things, right? And he just got, he, he brought along like four of them. And some were, you know, just like this. And some were like, you know, this. And all 80 of them had things like this. He just got four of them to make copies for him, to stick in his briefcase, to give as a, as example type of deal right and so we went and we're in a room for a day with 30 of the master leaders and so i do like just a morning session and i just drive from beginning to end right and even work through redemption propitiation justification and it was really intense at the end, you know, just ended on the Passover analogy and getting in the house and the Holy Spirit just showed up and the, like the room just, it, it was really intense for about 20 minutes and the Holy Spirit just kind of sealed it, you know, and, and piercing people's hearts and, and uh, it's very charismatic over there. It's a non-denominational type thing. So in that I gave context for the Holy Spirit and then so about, you know, Three months later, I'm, I'm at home, and it's just one of those days where I'm just completely like, my life is pointless. <laughs> Everything I'm doing is worthless and has no meaning or value, right? So that day, I get an email, and it's one of the guys of those 30 in that room that I saw for half of a day, the morning of a day, right? And so this guy emails me, like, I, I guess because his... His English was real bad, so I guess he wrote something out, took it somewhere to be translated, then they scanned it and emailed it mm -hmm. to me. Because then he tried to call me one time, but he couldn't speak English at all, and so it was like some other guy that was trying to speak English for him, and I really tried, but it was just like five minutes, and after a while, after a while I was like, oh, okay, God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. <laughs> so so and I didn't know who he was and then I got this email on that day right it says as respected pastor John Patrick for the name of holy might God praise the Lord to you and your family I am very happy to writing letter because I meet you many day before I can meet you through only three medium first pray to God for you second mobile and correspondence I am patch one so there's no no punctuation. I'm Patch Wandi Swansea. I meet in one day Bible training in Varanasi in house of Manoj Kumar Bharti's house. You teach us by anointing of holy, H-O-L-I, spirit, how God created us and fell down in sin and God rebuilt us again. And when I listen, 
God's word. I had given my whole life to God. When I come my house to Ranchi Jacran, I organize a prayer meeting. And what I learned there, I started to teach same things here. Then I say to all, are you feel the touch of God's word? Then they say, yes, exclamation point. And I am agreed to follow it. And I will share to another this message. Please pray for us that he give us power for his work. I pray for all of them one by one for anointing. When I pray, I'll fall down. When the received Holy Spirit and they prayed to God with cry, I thanks to God one miracle that one Hindu lady who was in Himbraj and she take treatment many places. And so he goes on to give like three or four testimonies of people who are like healed of sickness or healed of a cancerous tumor and, and these yeah. things. And yeah, and I just sat there and wept because it was like, okay, here's literally a probably mostly illiterate Indian rural peasant who I taught, we're not talking three weeks of training, we're talking three hours of teaching with a translator, and it's apparent and easy enough for him to take back to his homeland, call a prayer meeting, and teach them how God created us, we fall down, and he's going to rebuild us again, and pray for people, you know what I'm saying, yeah. pray for people, yeah. and do they feel touch of God's spirit and they say yes and fall down with cry? You know, and, you know, and it's like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if I preach and everybody just stares at me and nobody falls down with cry. And it's like, that's cool. You know, I'm living in Nazareth, but I can believe and make a context for where the environment's different, and they can actually grow fruitful crops in those gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, I don't want to sound like the fetus, like we can't ever see miracles in a move of God in our midst. And I appreciate the guys with a gift of faith, and even the guy I was with on that ministry trip, I, you know, I say he can sell you a used car and then pray for you as a confirmation that you made a good purchase to be healed, and you will get healed. You know what I mean? That's how the gift of healing works. The gift of faith works like that, where it's like, you can pervert that thing, and you can attach to it different meanings, you know, and and different interpretations to that thing, but it is what it is. So I would say yes to, to the answers. We should expect the book of Acts is normative and for God to touch people according to the preaching of the message. Should we beat ourselves up as failures as ministers and witnesses to the word when it doesn't happen in our context? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's, you know, environmental, post-enlightenment West. But like in the house church, I mean, we've, like in the last few weeks, we've seen just about everybody we've prayed for you know, comes back the next week, and it's like, yeah, I'm better. That, that thing got healed, you know, and we're all like, awesome, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know. Last week, there was the, the Kais baby, all of a sudden, for like two weeks, was puking like five times a week in the middle Whoa. of the night. Not, not like spitting up, like hurling, covering oh. itself in the entire bed, you know, oh. and they went to the doctor like three, four times, and they asked him to pray for him. We gathered around, prayed for him, and in the name of Jesus. And then, you know, last week at house church, she's like, "Yeah, he hadn't puked since." 
Awesome. You know, and it's not like it just he no longer puking, and so we'll take that. And the week before that, the, just one of the mothers in our midst, she was like, I, "I can't hold my baby. My shoulder hurts so bad." And it's just been like this last week, and so we prayed for her. And the next week, she was like, "Yeah, whole week, my shoulder's fine." Praise God, you know, and so it's like, you know, the Lord's building in our little midst to actually believe for it and push for it and see God and, and confirm the message and these kinds of things. And we're going to, you know, <laughs> believe as, as much as he gives us grace to believe for it. So what I say that is, yeah, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit and go for it. And then when it happens, you know, you just do the Acts 3 thing not by our yeah. Godliness or power, and it's by faith in the name of Jesus, and God's confirming the testimony of Jesus. Oh, yeah. They give the testimony of Jesus to it. There was a lot of what does the ecclesia look like now as we journey towards the day of the Lord? What is critical, not negotiable as we gather in large and small groups as a community? What are some of the practical things that help identify, define us as a community in light of the age to come? How do you set a culture and local assembly to pursue these realities? Matthew 24, 14, finishing the Great Commission. Practically calling to embrace suffering before glory, carrying the cross in this age. So I mean, what does it look like to, yeah. to do that? Practical responses. So these questions are the ones that I always get asked, you know, what then do you do with that? And it's always the bottom line is give me the model. Yeah. Give me the model for cruciform apocalypticism. What then do you do with that, right? Cross in this age, apocalyptic day of the Lord coming. How's that play out and, and what's the model? And I always refrain from saying particular models or condemning others just because, number one, I think it's temperament-based a lot of times and, and leaders and and number two, I think there can be a variety of expressions and that the different expressions um, can carry the message of the cross and sobriety concerning the day of the Lord. And the same expression can contradict it. And so I think this is one of the reasons that Paul doesn't ever give a detailed model explanation. Now you could say that he, he set that up on the front end and that's all understood. Maybe so. And I think in the book of Acts there there are models and ways of gathering that are inherent to it. Agreed. There's large meetings, but the large meetings are generally based around the small meetings house to house and in the temple. And the meetings are generally organized around prayer and exhortation, and they're generally meetings of the synagogue style, right? Which is, the synagogue style hasn't changed that much from the Didache that, that records it. The synagogue style is pretty much the same as now. It's worship, exhortation, prayer for people, and communion. And these are the these are the main aspects of the of the early church kind of worship service. So a lot of that hasn't changed, you know, we just have a whole lot more bells and whistles to it today. The reason I'd argue for a particular model is, is because I think if the heart and the theology is there, then whatever the form and expression will carry it. 
either way, you know, and that you can have big meetings, small meetings, and every meeting in between if the purpose is to serve one another and love one another. And so, like, at the end of page 8, you know, if you have the old notes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to the to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawlings, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, which is it's kind of, that one out of Ephesians kind of has a parallel in Colossians, right? Put to death, therefore, in light of Christ's appearance and us being, you know, set your mind on things above. And when Christ appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, right? And this is what breaks fellowships apart and, and wrecks things, or the desires of the flesh, and, and, and we don't keep a repentance on them and a check on them in light of these things that deserve wrath, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all these of all things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator, right? So in light of the wrath of God that's coming upon the, these deeds of darkness. You're putting those things off. You're ridding yourself of anger, malice, impurity, lust, greed, all that stuff because you fear the wrath to come and, and you want to be renewed in the image of your creator as you were designed to be in the beginning. And he says, here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. So it's not just like this abstract put on and, and you know, kind of mystically clothe yourself with these things. No, it means in the context of difficulty and hurting each other's feelings and offending each other, you put on and, and you choose not to react in violence and, and anger and retaliation. You forgive one another and you be kind towards one another, even though, you know, on both sides you may not deserve it or whatever. Bear with, with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. So again, all this is in light of the wrath that's coming, and when he appears, you'll appear with him in glory. And so you get this language of let the peace of God, that you've been justified and now have peace with God, rule in your hearts. Don't let the 
spirit of this age rule in your hearts. And don't be conformed to the spirit of the age. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So again, that whole passage, in my mind, is not just Paul using flowery language and using a paper. Like he's, he's trying to establish a culture based upon the gospel and upon the hope within the people. And he doesn't define a particular model or application to it, but according to the gospel and you fleeing the wrath to come and repentance and producing fruit in light of that, then put off the old self that you lived before you saw the wrath of God looming on your life and put on the new self of being renewed in the image of your creator and relating to one another in this way as God has related to you, functioning community like this and the, and the particular form of how you function may differ from one community to the next and w under the leadership of one community it, it has a more diligent you know, expression of whatever, it's, it has a more laid back expression over here and it has a more zealous evangelistic here or whatever you know however that thing plays out and the meetings may you know feel different and be structured different but the culture as Paul's point is that the culture needs to be defined by the gospel you see what I'm yeah. saying in light of the gospel you be towards one another as God has been towards you and imitate God in that way and that that's what is ultimately important in the equation and, and not particulars. Yeah. Though I think there are things and ways of doing things in which people end up getting treated like objects to maintain massive ecclesiological structures mm. and massive amounts of assets and such that you, a lot of times decisions have to be made and, and people have to be sacrificed in the midst of it to maintain those things. And so I think in that kind of situation, not always, but a lot of times the Holy Spirit will say, sell your possessions and give to the poor and come follow me. You know, because the possessions really do hinder using your worldly wealth to love people and, and follow Christ Jesus like the rich young ruler and the command of the Pharisees. Maybe this is not like a, I don't know if you categorize this as a, how do we do it question, but like just the whole instilling the timeline, call it the timeline, call it biblical worldview, call it whatever, um, beginning to like uh, the community that the Lord's given you, how do you begin to uh, bring in biblical worldview, lovingly confront and tear down mm. unbiblical? When you, you know, you have uh, just, I, I think about, I don't know if it was in one of your teachings or whatever, but it's like, it's like you wonder kind of why young people walk away from the Lord when they're indoctrinated in eight hours of naturalism every right. day and go to church for 45 minutes a week. Mm. Right. And that's all they hear. Sunday school doesn't quite come back. So how do you, how do you do that on a... 
Like, well, I mean, I, I think it, you know, it starts with, like Roland Allen says, if it's the gospel to you, if, if you're not just, it's one thing when you're selling a product to get a paycheck. It's another thing when you're selling a product because you really want somebody to be blessed by that product. Mm. You, you know what I mean? And if the gospel isn't actually good news to you, and and it doesn't actually mean something to you, then it then it's not going to communicate. Mm. And so it has to start with, you know, and this is why we're all in this room, because I had some ideas that I really believe in, and I communicated to a group of students, and it got recorded and passed on, you know, shipped around and such, and, and the Holy Spirit, you know, pressed it in a few of you, and here we are, right? So the, the point is, is that you you... You get the main elements of, you get the right playing field, you mm. tell the basic rules of the game, and go! You know what I mean? And it's like, you, you, the best way to do that in communication style is to raise up an army of people that it's real to, and you do that by one-on-one -on -one meetings, small group meetings, morning Bible studies, teaching times in a larger group setting, you, you know, it's harder in larger group settings to really work through, but you can do kind of, you know, intermittent classes and, but man, that napkin on a coffee shop, that thing is by far the best way to communicate and interact with somebody and, and work hmm. through issues and ideas. And so that said, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I, I think the point is, is if it's real to you and you believe it, then you just start taking every opportunity to to you know communicate to others and to train and instruct and and you know like as leaders the classic passage as leaders is first Peter five to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow fellow elder a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Right? So verse 1, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Mm. Right? And so... The, the exhortation to leaders in trying to shape a community and a culture is, number one, be an overseer that shepherds the, the souls of the flock towards the glory that will be revealed. And, you know, right before that, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed, right? And so you, you get a shepherding of the flock in the faith. And then likewise, just in life and circumstances and, and advice, you know, to folks in different places and prayer for people and, and you're, you're, you're pointing and encouraging and setting people's hopes, set your hearts on what is eternal, not what is temporal, saying, Corinthians 4, you know, set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you. And you're, you're shepherding people through mm -hmm. so that they stay on the narrow path unto inheriting uh, eternal life. Mm -hmm. 
And so, again, I, I don't think there's any kind of one particular form, so long as, <laughs> you know, you keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over, you know, ten years down the road, and here we are, and a few people are listening to me. Awesome. <laughs> ten years down the road, there's going to be more people listening to me, and a whole lot more people and if, by the grace of God, I stay faithful to this to this thing, and pressing for a simplicity in it, it it won't change a whole lot. Another ten and twenty years down the down the road, and and the Holy Spirit will be able to use it in in context and multiply it in, in various situations. And so I think as you walk along together, and you just ask the Holy Spirit, you know how. How can we preach the gospel? Like God give us wisdom and understanding about ways to meet people where they are and communicate the truth and communicate the love of God in word and in deed. You know, and there's always the question of what then do you do with the day of the Lord? And I mean you get it, you get it all throughout. Like usually anytime you get a clear passage where it's you know, the end of the age, you always get an exhortation around it in the epistles. Like in First Peter 4, it's just really clear at the end of page 9. The end of all things is near, is at hand. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Right? So, the so what, what do you do with the day of the Lord is... We'll imitate God and be like God and, and preach the gospel in word and in deed and so that the words aren't nullified by the deeds and so that the deeds have some kind of communication about why you're being nice. Mm. Why are you helping people? Mm. Well, I'm helping people because I fear God. Mm. That's how God is, you know. Otherwise, you know, humanists, unbelievers help people. They do it to feel better about themselves and it feels good to give to charities, you know, and that's not why we don't help people because it feels good at all. No, <laughs> we help people because we love and fear God and we we want to make Jesus known and we want people saved from the wrath of God. We love God. We love people. That's why we are kind to people. If it's up to us, you know, we just treat people like objects. If it's up to us. It's up to us we don't help people if we're honest with the situation, mm -hmm. right? So, well, I think what you're saying, too, I mean, this is just from a standpoint of not being in any type of, really, ministry, just being, but, you know, when you think about that people sit and hear naturalism or whatever you say, you know, all we, mm -hmm. like, throw what we just come to the place, you know, well, that's their story. Mm -hmm. It's not this story. So yeah. you just have to pick. So if we say what this is, and I think that's my thing about talking about the story and the day of his coming. That's what he talks about through this whole thing. Yeah. It all points to that. So it's kind of like being a faithful witness and then it's like, 
I don't know. It's all those things, but see, people are so used to hearing that, but it's like, but it, it's not, it disagrees. I mean, I try to tell this to these little kids that I talk to, and I, I just, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, in the beginning, that's who created it. And I tell them, yeah. now some people are going to tell you that's not who created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. That's their story. Yeah. This right. is this story. If you believe this story, it means you're a follower of this. You're a believer. It's called your faith. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's a lot of stories out there. But this is what yeah. this Bible says. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense, that it's like, so if I think we say what he's saying, mm. And we're talking about what they talk about. I guess the confusing thing is when people go off on, but it's like, he was he's always looking forward to this day. You know what I'm saying? He's got hope of all creation. Why is it not? So I think as we just join in with that, and it's what, no, it's my hope because it's his hope, and it's what he's thinking about. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and you get the, the, the confusing thing is when you get different stories that get Christian language pasted on them. Right. Mm. And it's just like, not, I don't think that's the story, <laughs> you know, whether it's a blatant other yeah. religion, mm. or it's just a slight tweak, or it's some right. new prophecy, and no, it doesn't end in laying down my life mm. for the gospel and martyrdom. That's not what it ends in. I, I, I don't think we're talking about the same story. Oh yeah, we're... We're talking about the same story, man. We're zealous for the scriptures. Mm. <laughs> you know, and you just got to sit there and scratch your head. And, now, what are you so. saying by that, John? I'm not sure. Tell me that. Well, no, you, I mean, that. We, you can all, we can all read in between lines on where we're at. But you, you, people, you know, they, you just get different stories out there about, you know, whether it's a theology out of some book and post-millennial and we're rising up, you know, dominionism, we're right. rising up, taking it, or just some... Whatever you know, it's whether it's a prophecy by a written man or some yeah. charismatic prophecy or whatever. If it's not the same story that says God is merciful and patient towards the wicked unto the day of wrath, and He's Second Corinthians four, for we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body, mm. right? In this age versus age to come. For we, are always, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose a heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly being renewed day by day. So that, uh, you know, page eight, it's just a, a basic story of the mercy of God with its fullness bodily dwelling in Christ Jesus to reconcile all things to himself. And the church is the witness to that in word and deed. And if it's a different story that doesn't ultimately end in love and martyrdom and laying down our lives for the body of Christ, that it may be built up and be presented spotless and blameless on that day, then it it's just not the same story, mm -hmm. you know. And right. if it ends in 
taking up your life in this age and the glory of man or the glory of a movement or the glory of a denomination or whatever. And did I ever tell the story about that Foursquare video? Uh-uh. It, it was a number of years ago. I, somebody sent me this link and was like, this is a pretty cool video. And uh, it's by the, oh, no, they sent me a link to another one that the Foursquare Church had done. I think okay. it's simple. Here's and it was really cool. It was, you know, it was, it's kind of a cartoon figure thing where it's it's basically a house church, uh, church planning video. It's great. And then there's a, a related video by the Foursquare Church that's like the history. Mm-hmm. The, it's like the history of the plan of God or something. And it starts out in Genesis and it's it's got kind of this, you know, mellow beat. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, kind of, you know, pictures and scrolling in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth and the flood, and Abraham, the exodus, and the kingship, and exile, Jesus. Like he's working through and pictures are, you know, scrolling. And it's got the music's increasing. And then the cross and the early church and baptism and the Holy Spirit sent out all over the world and you know, it's increasing, it's going through the missions movement throughout the ages, the Middle Ages, the Irish missionaries, and the Benedictine missionaries, and these guys, and it's like working through the Protestant Reformation, you know, the, the Catholic missionaries, and then the Protestant missionaries, Zinzendorf, and keeps just pressing forward, and then it's like, and then Amy Simple McPherson, and then this, and then this, and the and the growth of like the four square church, and then it's like, doo, 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 and then bam, it ends with this number eight million one hundred And this is like the culmination of the membership role in the four square church is the story of redemptive history, and like I just like. And, like, it took my breath away. I was just like, I can't believe I just watched this. It might actually be happening. You know, but it's that, it's that bit of, of the, the, the tendency of man to hijack the story. To Every time. To hijack the story for his own exaltation and glory rather than the story moving towards the climax of the exaltation and glory of God on his day. You, you, you know well, what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah, pick up many, many kids' Bibles and see if they tell you the end of the story. Half of them believe it all. They never... You never get past the... Yeah, you never get past the cross. It's yeah, true. It yeah. much ends there. Well, the tomb, they'll do the tomb, they'll but then the they just... Wow. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get the, the city with the yeah. glory. That's yeah. it. Yeah. they will. Yeah. But, but I mean, you find a lot of them that don't. And it's like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, so that's all we're doing here as disciples and witnesses, evangelists, pastors, overseers, you know, according to our various gifts to serve and such, is that we're just. We're just pointing people to this true story of what's going on, where the earth started, where it's going, and people's part in it. People's mm-hmm. part in is to repent, flee the wrath to come, produce mm-hmm. fruit in keeping with repentance, give their lives consecrated to the gospel. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, set apart for the gospel, Romans 1, you know, 3, and we're, we're just seeking to shepherd mm-hmm. people to walk according to the Holy Spirit and walk according to their destiny and worthy of their calling, you know.
So I think in that context, you, you can't make a hard model of this is how that happens. <laughs> That's how people get broken. Mm. Is that you get a, a model of a machine that mm. people don't fit into and they get ground through it and chucked out the side. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, in, in terms of back kind of some of the original question we were dealing mm-hmm. with with you know, praxis mm-hmm. in laying this. Uh, I just I'm trying to observe landscape, you know, where we are in this region like Alamance County. Rather traditional. A lot of the charismatic influence of Kingdom Daniel has mm-hmm. entered in primarily things that came out of Charlotte, I think it's a lot of it. Um you know, preacher of rapture, like a massive um, I mean, I think about just numbers and numbers of pastor buddies I've had for many years and, you know, all, all, all pre-trib. And so, you know, dealing with that, and then you've got a group of people that we've begun to call out and begin to work with. Uh, and, and so you know all these things inside of them. Then you've got uh, also a, a culture that's, you know, really uh, bent toward... Uh, I think more, and some of church culture, felt needs versus real needs, you know, and there's this, this desire and need for, um, I want a, I want a message that's going to help me get through the week, and it's one, two, three, and, you know, I just feel that, man, I, I, you know, I'm teaching on doctrinal things, I want to share some things, and I hear different brothers commenting and talking about, yeah, teaching's good, man, but yes, I mean, literally, just in the last few weeks, I heard this do some, uh, but man, I'm going to get to the prophecy, brother, and get to the word, and get to the prophetic, let's lay hands, let's, you know, and it's just this mindset that the word, yeah, the word's good, but it doesn't really excite me, I want to get to the stuff, you know, yeah, because the stuff is always the whipper delusional, man, Dude, yeah, and I'm talking about, so, so this is for a long life. This, you know, so this is the culture, and, 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 and I, I probably left out five things, but and, and we all know this, and I, I know that that a lot of that's been you know kind of working where I've been, and so now these last few years we're coming out of some of that, trying to form and forge uh, a new culture that's cruciform, you know, it's this storyline and bringing people into it, but. Uh, I mean, this weekend, John, the, the storylines, you know, it's it's very simple. It's very clear. But the storyline, just again, I mean, it's it's like so simplified and clarified even again by, by watching it. Because David's been doing some of this. But, you know, what you're talking about this week. And I think you're right, man. It's just that repetitive thing. But so, so you know, you look at, you look at the culture, uh, the Christian culture, where we are. And, uh, and, and I mean, sometimes I just feel like, man. I, I want to go sell stairways with my brother up here. I mean, I, I, I want to go selling clothes and do something different because it just is like a. It is. I mean, literally, you're you know you're a fish uh, swimming upstream, and uh, but I know ultimately all all you can do is get, get the word of the Lord and and run. You know, get the word of the Lord and do what He's told you to do. Stay faithful. Maybe ten years from now, I'll be in. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm just saying, man, it's, uh, you know, John, you know better, better than anyone, but the, so, I, 
you know, I, I think you're right. Maybe it's just one-on-one. I know that's part of it, you know. Us beginning to have clarity in this thing as a, as a team. And there's others, many others, but we just decided our, our little kind of IHOP community staff would just start here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in terms of clarity, uh, three words I've been throwing out to us over the last year, but clarity, simplicity, and really we'll begin to release a sense of unity to us. Yeah. And um, but you begin in the, you know, sit, sit at Starbucks and one-on-ones and just laying it out. And we've been given the language. We've been throwing some things out. But even like I was throwing something out, David said something a couple months ago. I was like, coming kingdom, you know, coming kingdom. And just beginning to throw the language out, coming right. kingdom, kingdom, coming kingdom. But then uh, people are like, oh, I agree. I mean, dispensationalists will say, I agree with the coming kingdom. But what's in now? What's happening? You know, and so right, right. when you really press people to what you really mean by the kingdom of this future, oh my, you know, so all that just starting to, it's, to, to work itself in all of this, it's it's just kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm at peace in a sense in that, yeah. but I'm like, God, I just, I mean, still, you know, I don't, I'm trying to discern by, you know, building IHOP over seven years, now birth, Burning Heart Fellowship, and then I was talking about this the other day, Birth and Burning Heart Fellowship, kind of around this prayer community. Uh, the same people are coming to the prayer meetings in the last three months that were coming before we planted Burning Heart Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And there's 40, I don't know, 40 people that are part of the, the community. But the same seven or eight or whatever are coming to the prayer meeting. So then I'm, I'm looking at that thinking, well, we were trying to birth things around the prayer, you know, and then, so you just, and then I'm thinking, okay, uh, through patience and meeting with people over time, you begin to, and what's, so, you know, I talked to you about this last night, John, and I maybe I'm throwing out a bigger thing and I'm not even looking for an sort of answer, maybe just kind of bare in my heart, but uh, that teaching I told you last night when I heard it, man, the, the purpose of the synagogue, you know, was to help sustain messianic expectation. Yeah. And, um, you know, house of prayer, house of study, and simply like house of assembly. And, I mean, those core elements, and how do, you, how do you begin to build community around those things that are like we were talking about with Paul? Yeah. Paul here are the components. Now, whatever you build around it, however you build around it systematically, you know, so I, I think that's where we are. I think I think timeline's clear. Some of the theological, eschatological things have become into clear focus. We're working through that. And we'll always need to go in depth in the timeline. We know yeah. that. But now, really, in light of where we are, like, IHOP, basically, Burning Heart Fellowship, and kind of, we have a Romanian ministry, too. And I'm just kind of like, how do you really plow forward in this? You know, and I think this is... After this week, us coming back together next week as a team, beginning to just work and iron some of this out would be very, very help, helpful. But, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know if you have any further comments or anybody has any further thought about what I'm throwing out. So, No, I, I mean, I, I think you, you, you know, dead on track as far as you just you, you, you need to meet the needs of the community. You, you're going to shepherd people and... The, the reason, um, why is the reason out teaching is so much is accepted? Uh, I think in context to that, as leaders, you want to shepherd those in your context and, and the, the faith, you know, in word and deed, like you get in those 
passages we just worked through in Ephesians, Colossians, First Peter that that you you want to give people a, a gospel context and a biblical context to work out their gifting and calling according to the Holy Spirit, you know, and so you design. You're talking about you designed uh, Bible studies around themes. You design preaching when you have uh, context for corporate for gathering for exhortation. You know, you got an issue of pre-trib rapture that's real strong. Then just you know work through the passages of, of patience and endurance. You know, and the writings of Paul and such and. You don't have to necessarily, you know, you can mention that there's a common error in the church that says we're not going to be, we're not going to endure the suffering and trials that culminate at the end of this age. And, and that's just, that's just not the truth. And, you know, and you can work through and hammer those things and, and just keep on different themes. Kingdom now, you can just take up all the cross passages, the like First Peter 4, like we were talking about, you know, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, and that kind of stuff, and I die, I die daily, brothers, I mean that, you know, in context of we all always carry around the death of Jesus in our body, and this is, this is all language for what God is doing in the cross now, rather than you know, God doesn't want us to inherit the earth now. And what does it profit you to inherit the whole world and forfeit your soul at the day of the Lord? You know, God God wants us to inherit eternal life. And sometimes we receive blessings, sometimes suffering. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And, and we seek to walk according to the Holy Spirit and be found in Him on that day. So, I mean, I think that being said... You want to create a community that is centered around the Word and prayer. And that's why IHOP has, has had such an impact, though I think there's some definite deficiencies, but it's got such a culture of the Word and prayer that creates, it gives room for people to encounter God in the Scriptures. And, and yeah, there's perversions of thought and this, that, and the other in it, but... God has used it so much because people are, you know, they got some free time. They don't watch a movie. They go down to the prayer room. They sit in the Word for a little bit. And bam, God, God meets them. Otherwise, they would have been at their house watching TV. They would have never got met, you know. And so, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a fantastic, you know, that, that you have the heart for it and, you just press forward with it. You have a place where people can gather together, you know. And, and uh, I used to be a little hard on corporate holdings. And I, I don't. I think corporate holdings are fantastic. After my house has been ground to pulp for two and a half years now, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, corporate holding is actually really handy, you know, mm -hmm. so that people can go there more often. And you have people can meet there. It's uh, early in the morning. It's uh, Waking up each other's kids and prayer <laughs> meetings there, worship there, and, you know, and and so I mean I think you just try to create an environment where the word can go forth and people can meet God and in context to the word, and I think the Lord will bless it, you know, if you have faith to to uh, entrust God with it and ask.
ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, make the Word of God run swiftly. And as long as your prayer meetings are centered around the apostolic prayers, mm-hmm. you're safe. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have to pervert those things pretty hardcore to. There's always guys who get up with Psalm 37. Lord, smash the mouth and the teeth of my enemies. Dash their children against the rocks, oh God. You know what I'm saying? Come on. It's a joke. It's not not that. Kind of a question I have is somewhere along the same lines of what David's talking about. How do you um, delineate between if your if your community is, let's say, ninety percent a context of people who are coming, just looking for the cultural Christianity of Sunday, like spoon feed me, kind of, and just just the worldview of pre-trib or you know dispensational or all of the different things you have. This is your context. How do you, as leading or shepherding in that role, not saying that I am, but um, in that role, how do you delineate delineate between uh, calling people to a lifestyle in truth and loving them and kind of getting on their level in some respect and catering to their issue? Because I think that it's, I think that sometimes as the, as the shepherd, uh, that's sometimes that line is blurry, you know what I mean? Because you want to meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. and you want to be able to lead gently the way that the Lord does so well. But, and so you may not want to come with the iron fist and say like, the kingdom's not now. And, you know, get up on Sunday and, and just like rail at people. And they're just like, you know, feeling completely not led well in, in that context. Right. But you also don't want to not say those things. And then you're kind of catering to their trains of thought in certain things. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's like where, what would be your advice on that? Because I feel like that could, I mean, even in my own relationships, not even in a shepherding role, but like, you know, me and my brother, he has these ideas about this. And it's like, I want to respect him and I want to love him in that place. But how do I not in a relationship where we're gleaning from each other in a mutual way, how do I, how do I respect him and love him, but I also not cater to his, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not encourage him. Right. And so, and that's ultimately what a lot of people are looking for is just agreement in their thing. <laughs> and that, I find that propensity in my own heart. And so it just seems like the, the main attitude of the average churchgoer is, is a, an attitude of expectation of an institution. It's like, where's my, how are you doing the children's ministry? How is the worship going? What is the building looking right, like? Right. And it's and it's all of those things are at the forefront of their mind, and then they're hearing a message, and it's laced with great vocabulary and articulation, and so they leave feeling good, even though they don't comprehend anything that's going on in, in that. And so, how do you in a in a community that may be, I, I feel like uh, the majority is in that place, and maybe there's like a ten percent tile or five percent tile of people really going after it, you know what I mean? How do, what do you do in that context? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this, this is kind of one of those things that I, 
I can't comprehend how people can lead other groups of people without ever having kids. Mm-hmm. At this point in my life, I can't comprehend how that actually works because I feel like I had no clue how to <laughs> pick fights and, and talk with a tone with people who disagree with me until I had kids and I could learn to disagree with them and bring correction and when to pick your fights and when to pick your battles. And I think that's just a part of maturity that everybody has to walk through of how do you talk to those who disagree with you in such a way that you communicate, you love them, but you still say that, no, this is what the scriptures say. And I don't agree with you on this, but in the way that you say it, you don't condescend towards them and, and you still respect them as a person and, you learn to pick your fights. You don't have to, like we had a guy in our church a while back and he was just flaming zealous for particular gift of the Holy Spirit. And you get a little, little rare at the community in the midst or whatever. And <laughs> or he would give an exhortation during the time of exhortation. It was just kind of like, all right, you know, and, and another guy came up to me and he was like, man, how do you not just like, retaliated him and it corrected him and I was like, well, you know, just give it a little time and you know, next time you guys are together, shape your conversation around the scriptures instead of around sports and and next time, you know, hopefully he'll start coming to a Bible study, you know, at so and so's house, or maybe he'll come with any and end up coming to, you know, the class I was doing and overviewing the Bible and you know, and the whole time he was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I always saw it as like a spiritual realm and stuff, you know? You know, and like, you, you know, just kind of progress through and, and now he's zealous for God and loves Jesus and that's what he, so he's still zealous for God and loves Jesus. He's still zealous for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it's a great blessing to our community because, man, when we're praying for it, for people and whether they're in difficulty or sending people out, I mean, almost every time he just hammers a word that's just dead on. Wow. Half the time they break down weeping kind of deal, you know, he's got a gift in the Lord. And so, I mean, I think that's, you know, just in in maturity, you, you, you learn how to relate to people in love and and speak when it, it seems like there's an open door in the situation and talk about stuff and you guard your words. You don't, say stuff out of defensiveness and and if you feel defensive and being attacked then you just be quiet you know you, you mm. don't ever respond out of defensiveness it mm. never goes well it just mm. never does so if you're feeling defensive in the situation then you just you shut down and and wait for a, a later and trust the situation to the lord the lord judge between you and i move on and wait for the lord to open another door and you know, move forward like that. That's good. You know, if so long as you're saying the same thing yeah. over and over, after a while, people are going to go, oh, we're not getting to the part where you prophesy glory, honor, and long life for me? All right, well, I'm going to go down the road. Right. You know what I mean? If you just keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like. People will, because I think people really do want to hear. I mean, there are a great number of people that, that don't want to hear, but there's, I think there's people that just never heard it said plainly, 
clearly. Yeah. And if you just say it time after time, if you're the leadership, you know what I'm saying? If you're the leadership, now they might, you might feel from their unbelief like you've got two heads, but if you've got people around you that are in agreement, yeah. you just keep saying it and know that it really, it's clarity and it's, you're just being a faithful witness, you know? Mm-hmm. But I know it's hard, but, mm-hmm. but if you'll yeah, keep yeah. saying it, it's the leadership, yeah. like you say, people either go, or the Holy Spirit, or, you know, they do have itching ears, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits them, or they have a dream, or yeah. all of a sudden they read, and they're like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden in one day, they go from, I'm going after the world, to, man, chuck this age, chuck, yeah. let's go, right. Right. you know, and all of a sudden they're whipped around, they're on board, you know, it's, it's just kind of how human beings are, and you know, we tell guys all the time, yeah, you know, your heart's set on this girl, and she said no to you a couple times, but don't harass her. You just wait a little bit, bro. Just stay around. And all of a sudden, her heart changes, and it happens. You know what I mean? It's kind of just how, I mean, that's not, you, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like just human beings change in a situation and, and respond, and if they don't respond, that's... You entrust them to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You bless them. If they do respond, awesome. Mm-hmm. You just keep moving forward on that. But if they don't respond, you know, you don't curse them. And, right, right. Or <laughs> curse them implicitly by how you talk to them or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking as a, from a position of leadership, could you just go to people like on a one-on-one basis and say, Tell me what the gospel is. You know, I, I, I was born again loving Jesus, running hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And for 15 years, couldn't have given you my gospel was to raise my hand in church. I said the four sentences. You know, then I went to Brownsville Revival 13 times. God knocked some incredible stuff off of me. That's not the gospel. Yeah. That's what God can do. Yeah. And that's how God worked in my life. But could, could you find out where people are? And then help them understand, no, it's in the beginning. It's a, The gospel begins at the first verse and ends with the last verse. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. and, and just let them find out where they are. You, you're their teacher. Find out where they are and then try to plug in the A and the Z. You know, most of us got the L and the M and the N, <laughs> you, you know, and then put the A and the Z. And, and that's, you know, what's funny with the, with the Lord with me, I was speaking to my mother, and, you know, from a Presbyterian, not a born-again background, but we've mumbled the Apostles' Creed forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I just felt the Holy Spirit on me. I was like, Mom, no, I believe the Apostles' Creed. Well, I believe that, too. It's like, no, you don't. My, you know, but I didn't get in an argument with my mother, but it's really just the Apostles' Creed. They laid out the, the, the line. You know, the Apostles' Creed is... The, the simple storyline of the gospel. But there's a charismatic movement that made it the L and the M, and in a kingdom now that's just completely perverted, just a simple Apostles' Creed gospel that, that's been carried forward and mumbled <laughs> in... G-C-F-A-H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-Z-X-Y-Z. You miss a whole bunch of now it's now, you know? Yeah, yeah, but... Just to try to figure out where your people are. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you know, because I would have... Yeah. Like when you, when we, when Charles heard somebody really speak on the millennium, when you were at Allen Hood that time, yeah, yeah. and he was real, it was like a light bulb went off. So I think sometimes yeah. 
if we just keep saying it, at some point people will go, oh, kind of like you're saying, it's kind of a worldview, it's a story, it's a reality. It's the reality of what this book says is reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for Charles, being this businessman and raised in a household that you were really a this, you know, like, oh, wait a minute, I've got this great hope in the age to come. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it just, it was like, oh, wait a minute, it's not all about now. You know what I'm saying? So I think right. sometimes the more you say it, even though I know it's hard for people to sit there and go, what already? Let's get to the, you know, I'm, I know it's got to be hard as leaders. But, well, but even with my, because I'm just like my children. Yeah. They draw the diagram. And I've done my job. You have to follow him, Anna. You have to follow him, Sarah. You have to follow him, Abigail. But my hands are clean. Mm-hmm. I, I've trained you in the faith. And, and I also explained to him, it's faith. You're not going to sing. I don't sing. It, you know, I've never had an angel speak to me. You know what I'm saying? It's faith. It's believing in something you do not see, and that's what makes it faith. But then I also tell him about the Harvard professor. He's got his own faith. And what the Harvard professor is going to do is try to pull you into his diagram. And he's going to make your God unjust. No, you, you just got to stick to your story. I, I can't make him fit into your humanistic God. No, he's not. That's that's my my dad's like. Well, I, I I won't serve. I can't believe in a God like that. Well, Dad, you're just in your 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 storyline. But I can't I can't make that Christianity. You know, I know, Dad, you've been a righteous man. You always paid your taxes. You you didn't run around on your wife. You know, you got an education. You were a physician. You were faithful to your to your family. Mm-hmm. But if you can't serve that God, that's not on my. That's not. This this line and it's not popular now. And you've got to disciple people that you know the Holy Spirit started doing. Mean, you got forty years of bad teaching in you, Charles. That you've got to get rid of. Forty years. And what it was is I was a humanist. You know what I'm saying? So I kept trying to make God a humanist. He's not. He's who he is. And do I want to join his team? But but it's like just. Find out where your people are, and there's some guys out there just like me that want it, but they they just been they've been born again in this little thing, and it's so confusing and so hard. But once you put the A and the Z, it's wow! It's like oh, that that's that's what it is. It, it's just it becomes a new reality, and it's so freeing. That's good, you know. Can I observing some of this actually happening in our midst. Yeah. You know, I see it even some of the children grabbing things. It's really pretty phenomenal, but. I think even as a culture, you know, uh, uh, as people begin, you know, others can come and, uh, you know, if they do, it's just, you know, I reckon it's just you train, you train, you retrain, you take them through your six-week classes like you're doing. You know, maybe this is a missing Maybe this is a missing piece here. Can I read a quote from Alec Matier on Isaiah commentary real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, He says, um, it's talking about the commission of Isaiah to go preach uh, to Israel, basically, and it's like a it's a, a dooming <laughs> word from the Lord. And uh, and Alec Matier says, if hearers are resistant to the truth, the only recourse is to tell them the truth again, more certainly than before, or more clearly than before. But to do this is to expose them to the risk of rejecting the truth yet again, and therefore of increased hardness of heart. And in light of that, the Smith quote. Opportunity in life is as often judgment as it is salvation. So it's like you you preach that word and they have one of two choices. 
you know, and it's like it, that opportunity is as much a salvation as much as it could be a judgment by the response of their heart, you know, and it's like the only recourse that you can do after preaching that word and, and regardless of what opportunity they choose is to just do it again <laughs> more clearly and, and again. And it's like uh, some other things that he said, it's like, preach you know he's asking how long oh lord in isaiah 6 how long he's like until cities are devastated like keep on saying it again and again and uh and people's hearts are going to be hardened and all this and it's like it's not because isaiah's message was super complicated and hard to understand because they accused him of you know being a preacher to children in kindergarten you know and it's like he's doing it as I mean, simple as possible, and it's the response of the heart, you know, and so I think that that's it came to mind in, in what we're saying and that, and that's the fear of the Lord, <laughs> like Lord, let my heart not be hardened when I hear right. you know today, if I hear your voice, let my heart respond and, and that's like cool you y'all 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 have a prayer right? mm-hmm. well that, that that's what opens their hearts, God. Mm. Open their hearts. You declare it in your prayers. You know, you declare the story. Mm -hmm. I'm sure y'all do that great. You declare the story in your prayers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're telling the story through the scripture. You're declaring the beauty of the coming Mm -hmm. king. You know what I'm saying? In that prayer run, if it declares the story, if your prayers start just pointing to our yeah. glorious hope, mm-hmm. the anchor for our souls in this age yeah. to come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you get so focused on that, it becomes just what you all have unity on. That, that, you know what I'm saying? And your prayers are all focused on that. I think one of the temptations that comes up whenever you're the fish swimming upstream in a scenario is uh, obviously to swim downstream, but it's like when you feel like you're the the only one in that, you feel a lack of maybe community or not even necessarily that a community isn't available, but you feel a lack of connection and unity in community. And I feel like it's so easy when you are doing the Isaiah thing of again and again and again, and the response is still, I'm going to go, and the response is still the vineyard producing the stink fruit, you know, when the response is still that, and you're you're just like, uh, it's not unbelief that the Lord isn't able, but it's almost unbelief, (laughs) like what, this, this place is useless, or, you know, it's like, might as well go sell clothes, you know, might as well go, or whatever, because it, that's the temptation is just like you know I did what I could and it's like how how do you continue to say again and again and again and it's like the beautiful loneliness of Lord you know and I'm living for your approval alone but also the necessity of community and the band of brothers having the brother next to you that you can pass the baton to when you're in that place of just like the inward turmoil of like I can't say it again Lord I need you to to supplement my faith with your goodness and with the promises and all those things and so when you find yourself in a lack of having somebody to pass the baton to or when you find yourself not in that place of community that's well-oiled and you're working in a place of unity you know and stuff I think that that can be one of the most paralyzing places when it comes to this and and um i don't know i, I don't know if that 
is a little bit of where we've been at or not, but it kind of feels like the, the big kind of thing that grips your heart in that in the midst of that is is desiring for the gospel to run swiftly and be glorified and for people to it's like Paul Washer says he's like people say I heard a word from the Lord uh da, 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 and he's like no <laughs> if you heard he's like that's like me be, coming here late tonight and saying oh I'm sorry I'm late I just I I yeah, I just got ran over by an 18-wheeler. I got a flat tire and a lug nut went in the road, and I, I was hit by an 18-wheeler. I'm so sorry. I met you. Like, there's only two logical explanations. Either I'm crazy or I'm lying. Because if I was hit by an 18-wheeler truck, I would be physically changed. I would be so changed that it would be evident to you. And it's, like, so desiring to have that change to yourself from the scriptures, but also to see a community of people getting hit, you know what I mean? Like, the revelation of the word, and so it's it's when you are doing the Isaiah thing, and David, Lord, I just want to say, I am so encouraged by your leadership. Amen. I am too. I mean, I mean, there's people that I can ride up an hour and 40 minutes up the road, and they're like us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I praise God. I mean, the, the greatest gift y'all have is believing spouses. Because, yeah. I mean, I'd have quit a long time ago, man. Because it's like, we, we have dumped stuff off the boat and we have looked for a harvest. It's like, you know, but, but it, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I got to get over the harvest. It's like, man, you're beautiful. If you never... That, that that's what you, that's what the faithfulness is. You know, what where I'm getting in trouble is, is I keep looking at the trees and then I'm starting to start cursing God. And I can't go there. That's what he's been wailing on me about this week. It's like, no, no, no. You know, but I'm so encouraged. It's like, God, you got these people out of here. Because, no, I, I feel like, man, what have we done? What are we doing? What, eight people? I'm an hour and 40 minutes up the road. So the Lord's doing it. Yeah. You know, the Lord's yeah. doing it. And if that day is real, the day of the Lord, and, and it might be in 50 years, it might be in a 1,000 years, but you live the same way. Really, if you just live according to scripture like that, my kids, it's like, it doesn't matter. He might come in your lifetime, but you still live with the expectation yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, so you're not a fool. You, you just li- you're just living this this story, and it is hard. And it does. What does it cost you? It costs you everything. But no, it encourages me so much that y'all are here. <laughs> I mean, it does. Because we feel like we're crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her sister, her twin sister is on this track. And she has a sister out in New Mexico. Yeah. All right. This on this track. But I mean nobody else yeah. in our environment it you know, it's like her sister says, No I drank the same Kool Aid y'all did. No, no, we are rabid for this story. And, and what's so cool is I don't follow John Harrigan. He just showed me what the Bible was. <laughs> You know, that's what's so cool, yeah. is I don't have to get wigged out about a, a, a Hergonite. No, he, I can just look at this and say, I put my faith in that book. Yeah. And that's what's cool, because you don't have to put your faith in David. You don't have to put your faith in Aha. You put your faith in that book. Yeah. And it's been there a long time. And, and that's just it. And that's, that's it. I'm in that book. But if you don't believe the first and you don't believe the last, what do you got? Yeah. Nothing. You know, so so that's what you partnered yourself with. That's what's neat. So what you're doing in that prayer room follows this book. But is it hard? It's real hard. 
You know, but you sit there and you coach him, it's okay. And when <laughs> you go back and forth and you go back and forth. And like I said, if he calls you to pour concrete, pour concrete. I'm not saying, but follow this book, pouring concrete. Follow this book, being a stair guy. Follow this book, wherever. And, and, and the first thing is, when you start having kids, you've got the disciple there. <laughs> yeah. But you lay, you lay it on them. I can just teach you. Yeah. You can just teach your people. You want to be faithful as a teacher, but don't sell them. I used to, I, I'm a salesman. I can sell, I can sell this to anybody. I can get in the humanistic corner and I can take it and I can sell it. But yeah. I don't want to stand before him and say, you sold a lie to this man. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you, you just get the story right and you give it to him and say, you can follow, my children can follow, and by the grace of God, I'm going to follow. Wow, yeah. You know? And that's all we're responsible for. But we better not get in the humanistic corner because that's what they want to do is throw you in that. Well, I can't, I, I'm not going to follow that guy. That's fine. It's your choice. But I'm telling you, if that day's real, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. And you've mumbled the Apostles' Creed all your days. <laughs> so if he does come back, it's going to be a big deal, Daddy. It's going to be a real, real big deal. Mm. Because you said, that's not, I can't, I can't, well, that's that's not in. That's not this storyline, Dad. So if it's real, it's a big, big deal. If it's not, let's eat, drink, and be merry, and just forget it all. You, you know, that's really the truth. Yeah, yeah it is. I think. I mean, looking at the Isaiah talking about the the stink fruit, you know, the vineyard. It's like Jesus, the vineyard, the caretaker of the vineyard. He does everything that a vineyard requires for it to produce the best fruit that it can. And it produces fruit. And that, that definition of that stink fruit is, uh, as if you had done nothing to the vineyard, it's wild grapes and, and worthless, you know? And it's like, you respond as if I did nothing, even though I did everything that could give you the potential for producing, you know, what's required. And, uh, and that's the abomination of it, you know? And I think the tendency for any person who's in leadership, who is pouring out, David Gordon, who is continually uh, preaching the truth, who is continually giving and sacrificing time and doing, uh, the things that, and that the fruit should be evident, you know what I mean? In, in, uh, the things that you're giving to and the tendency when the stink fruit comes up or when you're confronted with that is to say, it's my fault or I did something wrong. But then you look at Acts 2 and the people responded in violence, you know, or whatever. It's like you can preach that same thing and then it's, it's the, that opportunity can be for their judgment or for their, their salvation. And that's the, fear of the Lord and that thing, but also it's not your fault. You know what I mean? It's not, and, and I know there've been many times where I've taken on that burden of, I feel it's my fault that I do it wrong or, you know, and, and it's like, praise God that he uses weak people that no man should boast, you know, and we are so weak and we have so many issues and we jack everything up, but he uses weak people. He really does. And that's not my fault, you know, and I don't have to take the weight of that, you know what I mean? And so I think there's a level of that too, that we have to say, God, I'm encouraged because you use weak people. And even if I'm doing this in a weak way, you're able to take care of the vineyard and it can still produce the same fruit. And that, 
that sucks. You know, that sucks that there are tears in the harvest. Nobody wants that, you know, and and that's just the thing that you just fellowship in the suffering of God in that. That I mean, He cares way more <laughs> than we do. You know, He really does.